Good morning. I'm excited. How are you? I'm excited about several things. One is our baptisms this morning, but I'm also excited that Jesus came. Are you excited that he came? You know? Do you know, do you know that there are more prophecies about Jesus' second coming than there is there were his first coming? Did you know that? There are more prophecies in the scripture stating that he's coming for the second time than there were the first time. And I think that we're getting close to that. I think we're getting very close to that. For a number of reasons, which we've covered other times, I won't get into today. But praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Let's ask the Lord's blessing this morning. And we would like to do the Apostles' Creed, uh, if that's possible. Is that possible for you, Andy? Perhaps not. We will do We uh, our sound... Okay, we're going to do the, um, I think we can do the Lord's Prayer together then. Can we do that? Most of you know it by heart. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Very good. There's so much in that prayer. Wow. Well, this morning I'm going to be speaking about Jesus. That's a unique topic, isn't it? Not that I've never spoke about Jesus before. But we're going to be speaking about Christmas, too, and what it meant for Jesus to come into the world. Let's go turn in our Bibles to Matthew. No, excuse me. We're going to turn to Isaiah 7, 14, first of all. Isaiah 7, 14. Isaiah is found after the Psalms and the Proverbs, which are just about in the middle of your Bible. It's before Jeremiah. Isaiah. And when we speak about prophecies about Jesus' first coming, this is just one of many, many prophecies that were spoken. Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born. He said, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Everybody wants a sign. He will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. And she will call his name Emmanuel. Now, modern liberal scholars will say, yes, that word virgin actually means young woman. Well, what would be so unique about Isaiah writing? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a young woman will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. What would be so unique about that? I mean, that's common, isn't it? It's great. It's wonderful. No, no. This word actually word means a, a virgin. That's what's unique about this. And we know that Jesus' birth was a virgin birth, wasn't it? It's incredible. Well, let's look through another scripture. You slip way back to Genesis with me. Way back to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, 
We want to take time to look at prophecies of Jesus' coming. We can go way back to the very beginning. And God gives a word about his son coming. And there's many, many, many that we can't cover today. I just wanted to cover a couple to give us a little taste. But this is in Genesis chapter 3. And verse 13, we'll start. Then the Lord God said to the woman, Genesis is the first book in your Bible, so you're having a little trouble. What is this you have done? This is after she sinned. And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you than more, more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. Now, cattle just didn't mean cows or bovine. It's, it's a broader term. And on your belly you shall go. And dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now, this is what's really, really important here in verse 15. And I will put enmity. He's actually speaking to the devil. I will put enmity between you, devil, and the woman, Satan and the woman. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. And then it goes on about the woman and so forth. But let's just stop there for the sake of time. He will bruise you on the head. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me read this again, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Okay, what I missed here was the seed part. Seed referring to offspring. And in this case, when it speaks about her seed, speaking about Jesus Christ. Speaking about Jesus Christ. And typically in the scripture, women don't have seed. The men have the seed. In this case, he speaks about the woman because this is a supernatural event that's going to happen. That means he shall bruise you on the head. And that's referred to the crucifixion. When Jesus was crucified, he was bruised on the head. I'm sorry, I've got this wrong again. He, Christ, I'm sorry, I've got it completely backwards, so scratch what I just said. (laughs) And he, Christ, shall bruise you, Satan, on the head. But you shall bruise him on the heel. That's referring to bruising on the heel is minor. That's referring to the crucifixion. But he will bruise you on the head. You remember in Romans 16, I believe, it says in the... And uh, the Lord will soon crush Satan under your feet. Remember that? So there's a correlation there, isn't there? But nonetheless, this is a prophecy from way back, very, 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 very beginning of when Adam and Eve first sinned. This is a prophecy where God is saying, the day is coming. I'm bringing a deliverer. The day is coming. And we know the human race fell into great error at that time. The human race, that we have a breaker out. If you check this over on my far right, there might be a breaker that went. If not, we've got the candles lit. So, The human race fell into sin. As Paul writes in Romans, through the act of one man, Adam, sin entered the world to all. And all of us have sinned, haven't we not? Anyone here that's never sinned? If you say you've never sinned, you're delusional. We have all sinned, and we all need this Savior. And Jesus has come as a Savior. Let's go to Luke now very quickly. I'm just laying a little foundation here. 
Luke, back in the New Testament, chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. You know, before electricity, this is what it would be like in churches. And no heat. You know that? They didn't put heat. No sound system. Did you know they didn't have heat in churches until the late 1800s? Before that, they never had heat in churches. That's cold. And the preaching, the preaching was a lot longer than those days than it is today. <laughs> Let's read out of Luke chapter 2. Verse 1, now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the census be taken of all the inhabitants of the earth. This was the first census taken while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family of David. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and who was with child, and it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she, gave, she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Wrapping a baby in clothes is not unusual. Been doing it since the beginning of... of uh, creation, but laying them in the manger. That's unusual. He laid them in, she laid the baby Jesus in a manger, for there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news, joy to the world. That's not in there, I just added that. A great joy which shall be, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Can you imagine? The Bible says in Isaiah that before Christ came there was darkness in the earth. It actually said gross darkness permeated the minds and thinking of men and women. If you were Jewish, of the Hebrew, you had a tremendous amount of works to do for any assurance of salvation. You had sacrifices. You had to buy a lamb or doves or whatever to bring before the priests. And you had all the rituals and all sorts of things you had to do. And here we're saying, but you never had the assurance that your sins were cleansed from you. All you had was the, was the sense of pleasing God and what can I do to please him. And now they're saying a Savior is coming. Who is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the host of a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he's well pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began singing to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing 
that has happened, which, has, which the Lord has made known to us. Then they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that had, they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Now, this, this is amazing. These are just working guys, just working blokes. You know, they're out in the field at night, and they're watching sheep. They're just watching sheep, they're, you know. Go get them running off over that way. Bring them back over here, you know. You ever been around that sort of thing? You ever had sheep? Anybody ever had sheep here? Aren't they fun? <laughs> yeah, a lot like children. I have never been much around sheep. I've been around cattle and horses. But if there's a hole in a fence, they find it. And you're always chasing them. Doesn't it seem like that sometimes? But uh, there are these sheep, these are shepherds. That's what they're doing, just going about their business. That's their livelihood. That's what they do. They were not considered the upper, upper strata of society. Shepherds were looked at as very lowly people because barely anybody could be a shepherd, couldn't they? You didn't have any skills, didn't have a lot of intellect, not to say that there weren't people with intellect. But, you know, they're just lowly people, humble people. They're just working people. They get up in the morning, go to work, they come back. Guess who? The Lord God Almighty chooses to give the, this glorious good news to. Just these average people, like many of us, just average people. Fishermen like Peter, average people. Isn't that good news? So this glorious gospel begins. Now, if we had time and maybe another week here before Christmas, we'll read the account in Matthew. But if you have an opportunity, read the account in Matthew. And it'll give you more details of the Christmas story. Now, Jesus came to die. As I mentioned earlier, when Paul was speaking, to writing to the Romans, he said that when through, through one man, Adam, sin entered the world. But through one man, Jesus Christ, what entered into the world? Righteousness enters into the world through one man, Adam. And that one man, Adam, excuse me, what's going on this morning? Through Jesus Christ, that one man, Jesus Christ, brings righteousness into the world. Through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, we can have a Savior and we can live a righteous and holy life. Because not only does he save us from our sins, but he saves us and empowers us to overcome sin. He also changes of our, our heart. If you've been if you're a real if you're a Christian, a sincere Christian, there is something, if you've already confessed him, there's something that's happened in your heart. There's a change of your nature of your heart. Isn't there? The old desires that you once had suddenly begin to leave. One by one they begin to fall off, don't they? A lot of old stuff that seemed to bring so much gratification in your life now feels empty and, and, and you feel convicted. You just feel dirty when you do those things, right? But you know that there's a Savior. 
And we know there's a Savior. And the world is to know there's a Savior that brings about healing in our life. See, the word Savior or saved is broader than the, than the English word saved. It's a Greek word. It means it's uh, sozo, and it means healing. It means deliverance from the demonic. It means deliverance from oppression. It means deliverance from addictions or whatever it might mean. It means deliverance, and it means wholeness, complete wholeness in spirit, soul, and body. That's what Jesus came to do, is to bring the message and demonstrate those things. That we can be saved and have an assurance of eternity, and that we can be delivered from the power of death. We can be delivered from Satan, who has had the power of death. We're going to die if Jesus doesn't come back in our lifetime. There's going to be, but we won't die. And the fear of death leaves us, doesn't it? The fear of death leaves us because we have this assurance. We know that this world is only temporary and it's only a process that we're going to live through our life in this world. And you know what? How we live our life in this world matters greatly. How we raise our children matters greatly, like Rick was saying. How we live, this is a test, it is only a test. And how we live through this test of life on this earth will determine our reward in heaven. It will determine whether we even are allowed into heaven. And it it will determine the rewards because God rewards us. If you look into Matthew... Oh, the end of chapter 5, 6 and 7. Over and over, the Lord Jesus, when he gives, when he's giving the Sermon on the Mount, he says, over and over, that my heavenly Father will reward you if you do this. If you do this, my heavenly Father will see it and he will reward you. If you do that, he will reward you. They, the Pharisees, have already got their reward because they live out their righteousness before men. Don't think that they're going to receive any rewards from my Father, Right? So rewards is, is an incentive for us to sacrifice the, the unctions, if you will, of our old nature that wants to creep up in us and draw us into sinful behavior. We can sacrifice those things on the cross knowing that as we do so and live a victorious life that Jesus will reward us. You know that he will reward you for coming to church. If you don't, if, if if Christians, people claim to be Christ and never come to church, there won't be rewards for that, will there? Because the Scripture says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. So. You say, I don't like what you're saying. Well, I, it didn't originate with me. It originated with him. And he's the one that's going to be standing, you're going to be standing, and I will be standing before, not me. So we need to get into the word and understand the word. But the reward factor is there. It's a wonderful thing. All right, let's change, let's change course here a little bit. What, what if... Have you ever thought about this? What if Jesus had never been born? 
Have you ever really given that a lot of thought or study? Have you ever read about that? People that have gone through historically and read about what it would have been like if Jesus had never been born? Ponder that for a moment. Women, you know what your life would be like? It would be bad. Very bad. Women have it hard today, but it would be very hard. You would not have any value in your life. Men would not treat you with any value. That was common. That was common in the, in the Greek culture. It was common in the Roman culture. And even in the Jewish culture, the Hebrew culture, for a period of time, women had no value. They were looked upon as broodmares. Somebody said that. I didn't want to say it, but that's what they were looked upon. It's just a way to have children. You're the property. It's still like that in much of the world. What if Jesus wouldn't have come? You see, a lot of things that we see today in our culture that we take for granted is really the result of Christianity. Even though our culture is trying to shove Christianity and reject Christianity and trying to make it out as if it's the thing, the one thing that's shackling us from our liberties and freedoms is Christianity is the exact opposite In Greek and Roman culture, a man could have a wife, but he could also have as many mistresses as he wanted. The wife was not allowed to leave the house unless she was chaperoned. She didn't have a voice. She was not allowed to speak into the family issues or anything in the community. In fact, many people, many people, uh, many of the ancients taught that women, a woman's voice was was to be unheard. It was a shame for a woman to speak. So women, Christ has given you dignity. You've received freedom from Jesus Christ. One of the things that Jesus brought, the Christian culture brought, and first of all, let me say, the Christian culture has never been perfect. Don't don't misunderstand. We've done a lot of things in the name of Christ that haven't been good. But for women... It is one of those things that you have been given dignity through Jesus Christ. Marriages, relationships, dignity. The value of human life came through Jesus Christ. There wasn't any value on human life prior to Christ coming to Christianity. Gladiators fought for 700 years in the most brutal manner, and people cheered and applauded that. Jesus brought dignity to life. Infants and children were discarded, drowned, thrown in the rivers. If they were, if there had any sort of defect in their life, they would just, they were just no value to life. You ever stop and think? I know it's kind of a thing that, oh, I don't like to think about all this stuff, but Jesus is our champion. He brought back dignity to life, value to life, sexuality. In the Roman Greek culture, anything went, much like today, which is happening today. Christianity brought sexuality back to a holy place with God, reserved for marriage. Charity and compassion. 
There wasn't much of that. Christianity brought back charity, giving, and I could go through many, 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 you know, long, lengthy things and quotes and so forth to back these things up. Here's another one. Human sacrifices. Do you know that human sacrifices were very common all over the world? Not just in South America where you read about the Aztecs and the Mayans and so forth that were, you know, this uh, things. I won't tell you what they did. But the human sacrifice happened in Europe. Cannibalism was common. Oh my, isn't this, isn't this dark? Doesn't this feel really dark? Thank God for Christ who brought liberty and freedom. You know, the hospital system is, is a Christian concept. The pagans would take their sick and infirm to the temples, and they would just lay on the temple floor and pray to some gods. But the compassion of hospitals, of Christians, brought about the hospital system. Universities came out of the monastery system. Universities were something that Christians felt we needed to be educated, and particularly that all everyone should have the right to be taught to read so that we could read the Bible to bring light into our lives. Sunday school, that was another Christian that came up with the concept of Sunday school. You say, well, that's just a nice thing to teach the children on Sunday morning, but no, Sunday school was developed in England when they had child, they had no child labor laws, and children, little children, would work 12 hours a day, six days a week. And they didn't have opportunity for any education, and nobody seemed to care much about that for that class of people. And so a man, I'd forgotten his name, he started the Sunday school te- system, and that was so that he could teach these children how to read. And he would bring them into a home on, sun- on Sunday morning, because that's the only day they had off. And he would begin to teach them, and he began to teach them how to read. And his goal was to teach them how to read the Bible, because it's the Scripture, it's the, it's the Word of God that sets men and women free. And without Christ, there's no freedom. And so he began to teach these children, and it, and it began to move ahead. Same with the kindergarten system. Oh, Christianity has brought, and I'm not just bragging on Christianity, I'm bragging on the founder of Christianity, I'm bragging on Jesus Christ. How about slavery? Slavery was common, still is in parts of the world. And because of Christian people and the convictions of Christian people, particularly William Wilberforce in England, who fought 40-some years to abolish slavery, he was a member of parliament, and he fought against slavery and fought and fought. Along with others, he was assaulted, he was threatened he was anything you can imagine he was so hated he's probably one of the most hated men in england by certain people because he was a christian man who felt that he could do more for christ in parliament than he could in a pulpit and he fought against this horrible thing called slavery what has jesus done what if jesus had never been born Art, music, architecture, that's all been affected greatly by Jesus Christ. And there is so, so much more. You see, we live, Europe and America live in a culture that's considered Christian, or at least it was considered Christian. Now, not that everyone in the culture was Christian, not that it was perfect, not that there wasn't any sin, not that there wasn't any unrighteousness or injustice done. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. But less, the, the concept 
of people's having value and dignity began to change laws. Christians in the early part of the later part of the Roman Empire began to put influence on emperors. Some emperors became Christians, and out of that, they began to abolish gladiators. They began to abolish um, and discourage abortions and infanticide and those sorts of things. And so the influence of Christianity, because of Christ, through the centuries has changed our life. It's changed our culture. Now it's starting to tip back. It's starting to tip back into darkness, isn't it? You see this happening? If you're following things, you follow politics and things, you see it's beginning to slip back. That's where the need for people to know and understand who Jesus Christ is and why he came is so important today. Because how could you reject this amazing Savior? How can people reject this offer that he gives to us? A free gift to change our lives, to pull us out of our old sinful lifestyle, to pull pull us out of darkness and dark thinking ourselves and self-centeredness and selfishness, to pull us out of that into a life that brings joy and freedom and liberty. Victory over works of the enemy. Today we have in the Middle East, we have Christian brothers and sisters that are being treated in the most horrendous ways. You know the stories, you've read the news. I won't even say the things that are happening to them. And they are standing true to Jesus Christ. They are not renouncing him. They are standing true to the point of death. Why? Why would they do that? Are they fools? Are a bunch of, they just haven't been educated enough. No, it's because they have a conviction in their heart and a gratitude towards the only one who can save them and the only one who can save them from this world and give them a new life. And they know as difficult as it is for them to watch their families and watch their loved brothers and sisters go into martyrdom, as difficult as it is, they know there's, there's hope after this life. They know that their citizenship is not in Syria or some other nation, but their citizenship is in heaven. And we too must, we must get that understanding that our citizenship isn't just on this earth. We're here for a purpose. God has us here for a purpose, and that is to bring the light of Christ to all around us. And there will be some people that the power of God is going to come in their hearts so greatly that it's going to compel them, compel them to reach the lost at any cost to themselves. We're going to see that happen again in this country because where there is darkness, people are ready to come to a light. And that light, the only light, that can offer a person a new life is that light of Jesus Christ. It's his life. It's God. God's life that he gives to us through Christ the Savior. And he makes us new from the inside out. And he transforms people 
He began to trans, he's got a ways to go on me, but he began to transform me, which began to transform my marriage, which began to transform my children, which began to transform others around us. Now my little grandson stands up in, in his class and explains about the Trinity. Is that what it is? A five-year-old explaining the Trinity. <laughs> but that's the influence that you and I have. If we'll stay faithful to this Glorious Savior, regardless, no matter if your friends at school or at work make fun of you, that's just a trivial thing, isn't it? It's a minor thing compared to the rewards and the glory that God will bless you with. And this morning, I want to say one more time that Jesus Christ saves, heals, and delivers. It does not matter what your bondage you've been in. It does not matter what your family background. It doesn't matter how abusive your family was to you or how they programmed you or the darkness or the, or the, the incest or whatever was going on behind closed doors. It doesn't matter about the drugs. It doesn't matter about the alcohol addictions. It doesn't matter about the pornography that you've been addicted to. It doesn't matter. Jesus Christ is the same Yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if you will come to him with a full-on heart, and you will come to him in humility, and you will walk with him from day to day to day to day, he will set you free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus Christ came, and he saved this world. He brought, the, he brought the offer of salvation to this world. And how many people turn around and reject I don't want nothing to do with him. I don't want anything to do with this Christianity. Why do you think people hate Christianity so much? Because they like darkness more than they like light. And if you're a person who likes the light and the joy and peace and purity that Christ offers you and me, you're in the right place. Amen to you, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Jesus said to us, to his disciples, that we were to go out and preach the gospel to all creation. Didn't he not? And let's read this out of Matthew 28. The very last chapter, last few verses of Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament. And after the resurrection, Jesus appeared and he said to his disciples, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. There is no other so-called prophet, so-called God. There is no one else under this heaven, under this sun, under this moon, who can justly say all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. There is none. I don't care who it is. None. No one can say that. And it's with integrity than the Lord Jesus Christ. All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. It's only Jesus Christ that lived a sinless life. It is only Jesus Christ that lived a, a triumphant, sinful, sinless life and who died on the cross for us. He was executed, allowed to be, he gave his life up willingly to be executed that his sinless life would pay the price for our sinful life. And he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What a promise to know that Jesus Christ, when we fully give our life to him, will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will be with us forever. Isn't that incredible? Who else can give you that promise? Who else can bring you that type of fulfillment? And when Jesus said to go out and baptize, and that's what we have the privilege of doing today, of baptizing. We have some folks that are here this morning. They're here every morning, but they're here, and they have come to a place in their life where they would like to publicly confess that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Isn't that wonderful? Let's have him come up, please. Let's have them come up, please. Oh, thank you, Lord. It's exciting time. Just want to stand up right here so folks can see you. We have one more coming. Isn't this wonderful? I'd like to introduce, this is Gordy and Dawn Udell, and Harley Quintel, and we have one more coming, the guy here, but they are, they are here to, to follow Jesus. And I know some of you may be wondering about what baptism's all about. We'll try to explain just that, a little bit about that in a nutshell in just a moment. But uh, as soon as our, I think she's up in Kingdom Kids, as soon as Dakota comes here, we'll, we'll keep moving ahead. But baptism is a, a, a way that we identify with Jesus Christ, with his death, burial, and resurrection. And I know a lot of people think, well, what's baptism all about? Or I was baptized as an infant or something of that nature. But baptism is really about where we come to the place as, as adults, in a sense, or children, where we understand that we want to give our life to Jesus and follow him. Very good. And this is Dakota. Dakota Rich. So. so we're all excited. Well, I'm going to lead the folks in a prayer this morning. And they're saying this before you. They're confessing this before you. And they've read this over and they agreed. And it's just easier sometimes to read something than it is to try to, to do it verbally. So are we ready to make our declaration? This day I publicly renounce my old life of sin and darkness and joyfully declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I choose to follow him and give him my life, my future, and all my devotion. Lord, I ask you to fill me with your light, your love, and the power of your Holy Spirit so I can serve you and bring honor to your name. Amen. Amen. Could I have you folks just extend your hand towards them and bless them? Maybe just some of you folks in the, in the congregation would just speak out a blessing prayer upon each person here. Thank 
you, Jesus. Father, we bless them. We bless them and thank you for their obedience to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Very good. Well, you're welcome to get changed and...